Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is CM Alexander with the news. This morning, Dairy police arrested five men in their 60s who had broken into the Aladdin Theater late last evening and barricaded every entrance. In his statement to the press, Dairy Chief of Police stated no damage was done to the property. The old men simply wanted to recapture their youth by watching porn together as a community instead of on their phone like a normal person. You're listening to Dairy Public Radio. This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King Book Club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Kahn, alongside CM Alexander. Hello, everyone. And Benjamin Graham. What's up, constant readers? And today, we are continuing our Patreon selection series with Nick Tennant's selection of Desperation, where we are reading through part three with Ben leading our discussion. Ben, take it away. Yeah, I completely forgot to write a summary of what has happened up to this point in the book. So from memory, (laughs) a bunch of folks are trapped in the desert with a crazy killer cop who turns out to be a little more than a crazy killer cop. Our heroes are now gathered in the American West, which is an old-timey movie theater that's been closed and dilapidated for a decade. They are hiding from who they think is still Kali Atragian. God damn. Melting cop. (laughs) That is possibly possessed by a demon? Question mark? (laughs) And as they gather on stage, they are also kind of recapping a little. (laughs) That's very true. (laughs) But they are now, we're all together. Mm -hmm. And Cynthia is like, old people are weird. (laughs) (laughs) She... When she she's kind of she's not like really judgy, but she's like, this is a really weird place. You guys hang out here and, you know, Tom's not offended by it. But for some reason, Johnny is super offended. All of my notes are just about Johnny. Johnny related. (laughs) I'm such an asshole. But he's like, the only thing your generation has done is create mosh pits, you idiot. (laughs) Yeah, he sucks. One of my first notes is that. Johnny sees Tom sneaking back into, uh, first, they're on stage to sidetrack us a little bit. This place is awesome. Place kicks yeah, ass. Yeah. I, I want to hang out in this place. <laughs> I This is what uh, me in my 20s like dreamed of. Mm-hmm. A, a, a perfect scenario would be hanging out in an old abandoned theater, yeah. drinking beer and... Uh, it sounds great. During and the watching, apocalypse. Watching porn together <laughs> with oh, some yeah, friends. For sure. God. Uh, but <laughs> Go anyway. to a different theater than you guys. <laughs> <laughs> They're all gathered. They brought their own TV VCR. It's fine. <laughs> on the stage and Johnny sees Tom, the old guy who he has started drinking again, uh, sneaking back from backstage. And he immediately thinks, oh, that old guy, he's just sneaking away to grab more booze despite the fact that he can't smell booze on it. I also had a note about that because he's wrong, but then later sure. he's actually right because Tom is drunk on more than what he mm-hmm. watched him drink. It and then he goes back to a secret booze place. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It, it just shows a lot about Johnny's character that he instantly thinks the worst of Oh, yeah. Well, everyone. he has to have someone to focus on who's dumb or doing something wrong mm-hmm. so he can't, you know, he doesn't have to look at himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I love talking about him. <laughs> he sucks. Yeah, uh, David, and we get this, like, this whole section, did you guys feel like a shift? I don't know how to explain it. It, it feels like a different book to a certain extent. It, like, kind of downshifts in energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. because every everything has sort of brought them all to this point. So you think you have, we just had that peak and now we're going to settle in, get to know everybody a little more. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of does a cool thing of disarming you a little bit mm-hmm. as yes. the reader. Uh, because we get this really cool sequence of them just all kind of exploring this space. And it really makes you feel like, okay, for the moment, this is a safe spot. I have to remind myself, too, because I keep forgetting that there's an insane sandstorm right outside. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I part of their part of their lack of urgency is, is I think, what seems different to me mm-hmm. is that, well, they can't really do anything. Like, it's not really safe to be outside in the storm. My favorite part of this part is Cynthia and Steve start doing shadow puppets. Yeah. Yes. I'm like, <laughs> demons have no chance. Yeah. <laughs> the well, ultimate weapon against a demon. Didn't Alan Pangborn yeah. use yeah. a shadow puppet? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, uh, and I, I love uh, Mary tries to make a cityscape. Yeah. And I, even though I can't see it because it's a book I'm reading, <laughs> I was so... Were you impressed by the imaginary shadow puppet? <laughs> yes, but then I was so disappointed when Andrea... Like, Audrey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I remembered. <laughs> I was so disappointed when Audrey interrupts them and Mary doesn't finish yeah. because I'm like, well, I want to know what it looks like. <laughs> I don't know if she pulls it off well yeah. or not. <laughs> yeah, I wrote down, Audrey ruins the fun. She comes in and she is screaming, we have to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And Tom takes a minute to tell us, the readers, no, stop worrying about it. We're fine for now. The best course of action is to stay here because the lights can't be seen from the outside. Mm -hmm. There is only one entrance. Soundproof. Uh, Bolt Mm -hmm. cutters don't exist. Everything's (laughs) cool. (laughs) They gather around and Johnny, to kind of diffuse the situation, says, okay, let's just sit down and talk through some stuff. Yeah, he charms Audrey. And the other piece of logic is that with the way Kali was falling apart, that I think it's uh, Johnny makes a comment yeah. that he he'll probably be dead in by the morning. So if we just hunker down and stay hiding, we can leave safely tomorrow. Which is totally reasonable. I would have thought the exact same thing. Yeah, their urgency doesn't seem like it's necessary. Uh, although it fucking is because <laughs> we cut to the Ellen thing, <sighs> and we we actually <laughs> let's pull back the curtain a little okay, bit. Okay, fine. We uh, originally meant to record this whole section as part of our last episode but then we talked for over an hour <laughs> about part two and had to so we actually talked about a few things there were in a couple here. of things Shh, so when we said don't when don't. we said we'll get we're to it later this is how much later we, we met, met. <laughs> uh because here we we meet up with the ellen thing back at the 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 cop shop and tack i'm just gonna sure, refer yeah. to it as tack from now on, uh, finds where David had taken Pi down and laid her to rest and undoes it in a deeply upsetting way. The thing that I like about the moment is that uh, Tack carries the coyote in there with a plan to hang it up on a hook 
for no reason beyond that's what it's done with everything else. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. <laughs> I actually thought that kind of undid a thing, a line yeah? from earlier. Yeah. Because when he was arresting Johnny, when he killed that guy in the street with Johnny in the back of his car, he drug the guy inside a house and put him up. And Johnny asks him, why'd you do that? You didn't do that with the coyote or what, you know, some animal, the dog back there. And he turns and says, a man is not a dog, Johnny. And that killed me (laughs) because all of this time I've kind of been seeing all of the like ritualistic hangings of the bodies as this like religious ritual for tack where it's a weird form of if not like respect for the dead like an acknowledgement of the dead Mm -hmm. or i don't know do you think it being a wolf is different possibly maybe that's the key it's one of his children of the night so it's special can i tell you the part that slayed me which wasn't even the part where the ellen thing graphically arranges the wolf's body and pies like head in its mouth just Mm. an obscene violation of her dead body that it knows david is probably never going to see but still gives it a little like thrill or sense of relief when it says that it was looking the the ellen thing looking at the dead girl that had grown inside this body Uh, wow yeah i i Last episode, we mentioned the scene, and I think I said I didn't think about the fact. I missed the fact that this was Ellen. It just makes it so much worse. And then thinks, Tack thinks, the boy needed instruction, which was a very Norman Daniels thing Mm -hmm. to say. And I I, I couldn't stop thinking about that. It does Uh, confirm kind of what we talked about uh, when we first had them in the cells, though, that he, or Tack, acknowledges if it wasn't for that boy, everyone would still be in here. It all comes back to mm-hmm. the little prey boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And before we return to the survivors telling their stories, uh, we find out they are not safe. <laughs> even a little bit. No, Holy Tack shit. summons a bunch of Charlottes. Yeah. <laughs> the, <Yes>. Spiders. <laughs> yeah. Spiders come and you like, oh, it's going to speak to the spiders. And it's, the spiders spell out theater. Yeah. <laughs> How are they so smart? They're That's, real good. Oh my God, they can understand everything we say to them. <laughs> spiders. The explanation. Spiders know how to spell. That's, <laughs> it's a dangerous world we live in. All bugs can talk. We all know this. Um, <laughs> and then yeah, there's something else. It, it, they spell out theater except for the R because it gets impatient. Because mm-hmm. I honestly, you know what they're spelling. But like I, four letters I in. I do mm-hmm. like that when he says theater, it, the book like, specifically says, while the spiders were trying to figure out how to make an R. <laughs> I, I like to imagine it took a really long yeah. time. It um, let them try for a bit. Back at the theater, which is only an eighth of a mile away. That's too close. Scary. Yeah. I don't like that. Back at the theater, they're they've all kind of calmed down and they're gathering around on the stage, sharing the stories of what they have all seen. And Andrea, Jesus Christ, I just said it right <laughs> earlier. Audrey is refusing. She's playing the skeptic. She's mm-hmm. uh, a scientist and refuses. She says, "There's a cop running around killing everyone. Why do you need to make it a campfire story?" Reasonable reasonable but a good she's way wrong. but yeah, <laughs> she yeah. is incorrect and uh, something i find let's actually just talk about audrey 
as a character. Okay. I guess we'll try not to spoil what comes out. Did you buy her as a character at all at any point? I knew she wasn't going to be around very long. I I Mm -hmm. suspected that. But I thought it was going to be a different thing than what it ends up being. I thought that she was just there to kind of give us something, give our character something to sort of push back against so that everything's not well at the American West to Mm. create some tension. I thought as soon as she starts giving the recap of what was happening from her perspective, I thought she was going to go into the backstory that Tom eventually gives us. So when that happened, I was like, okay, this character isn't here for what I thought she was Mm going to be for. And then I thought she was going to just get killed. Uh, Basically, a uh, human shield on accident mm-hmm. for some. Like she's going to tell us about the thing. mining stuff because yeah. she's involved, mm-hmm. and then yeah, yeah. I, I just the her whole arc that we get of mm. of Audrey. It just she is introduced so abruptly, and she's around for such a short amount of time that I I I wish we had given been given more. Either of her as a character, so when what happens happens, it's like a shock, or... I Can I... Maybe this isn't quite what you're on, but mm. you, you're you you're missing something that's not there. And what I feel like I kept thinking about, I was wondering to myself, as she's telling her story, I was trying to figure out when in her story did that happen? Like, when mm-hmm. does she deviate from this is what I did when things started going south and this is how I hid to the lie that keeps her secret from them. I think I know when. Yeah. Do you? And we'll get, when when we okay. get into her story, I'll, I'll point it out. I, I feel like I have an idea, but that, to me, that was like something okay. that I feel like maybe I, I wanted it. Is, could that be what you're missing? Yeah, I, I guess I just feel like the... Her backstory, I wanted the thing that gave her away to be like... For you to she care. Is obvious. <laughs> well, yes. But also, like, there's no sense that she is obviously lying through this first part when she's just telling... She tells her story that she works for the mining company, uh, that she had been out in the wilderness on vacation for a she few days. She was camping. She was yeah. camping. Which is how you say out in the wilderness on vacation. (laughs) 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 That doesn't sound like a vacation. (laughs) Can you tell I'm not an outdoor kid? Um, Yeah, it's she was out. And when she came back into town, everything went bad. And she was out with her horse, which becomes very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we don't get like, I, I never feel like she is hiding something right. which she most definitely is like the only like clues that we get that there's something wrong with her is she stares at David so you felt like you were almost and who blindsided it was it was so yeah, it was such I, a sharp reveal that it didn't feel like you had I a think chance so. well it's it's simultaneously so like telegraphed that like yeah she appears out of nowhere mm-hmm. Obviously, there's going to be a betrayal of some sort. Oh, it got me. That, really? I, yeah, I didn't see it coming. Like I said, I thought she was... My best interpretation was the cougar, because the conversation with her and then the cougar scene happens just after this. Mm-hmm. I thought the cougar was going to get her. 
Mm. And then mm. everyone else was going to get away. Mm. That's so when it turned out that because the idea that Tat could control another human outside of the body they currently possess mm-hmm. had never occurred to me, despite the fact of seeing him control animals of all kinds mm-hmm. all at once. Yeah. The idea that another person could be puppeted like that didn't even occur to me. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just I I was never as interested in any of the Audrey stuff as any of the other characters. I guess it's kind sure. of explained away a little bit later when Tack is reflecting or something is reflecting on the power Tack has over the Panther versus Audrey mm-hmm. and what it can sense and knows of the of the animals mm-hmm. versus the humans. So it because her what happens to her is described as like a melding mm-hmm. versus the takeover. Yeah, so maybe that's why it's seamless that was something else i just like i wrote down at some point what are the rules here and i, I don't i try don't want to be that guy but like i'm, I'm th- that guy yeah exactly i don't want to be that guy point, pointing at josh but yeah it was just a little something and i had to stop myself and be like ben you're thinking about the wrong stuff while you're reading this just it's fine because our story is very it's tense a- and scary she comes back and like all hell breaks loose she sees Kali and she doesn't know it's him right away literally running people down in the street shooting people in the head and she hides in the office of this laundromat and she's so terrified that even when she knows he's not nearby even when she can hear his cruiser Mm -hmm. far away she's too scared to actually get up and move and this this is gonna be about Johnny I'm so sorry (laughs) but I I was really irritated like we're she tells the main portion of her story that we hear. And then we cut to Johnny and, you know, he says Audrey went on to talk for about 10 more minutes, but he thought that her story pretty much ended there. And I just had this moment where I was like, did he just stop listening? Like (laughs) everybody he talks to when he gets bored with the story, does he have that thought? Like, yeah, they're pretty much done, but he's just a piece (laughs) of shit. I would not be surprised. (laughs) Before she gets to the main bulk of her story, though, we do cut back to a cougar. The cougar conversation. The cougar walking into the police station, not wanting to go because it smells guns and and blood blood and and people and something that is not a person. And we get this amazing short bit of this cougar. We've, I don't know if, you guys are on the same page, but I have been operating under the sense that these animals are just, you know, being, thralls. Yeah, thralls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't have an opinion about what's happening to them, exactly. but they do. Yeah. This, <laughs> and it's, it hurts. This yeah. personification of the cougar, of it being terrified, but feeling a hook in mm-hmm. its brain, compelling it to do what it's told mm-hmm. is so creepy. And now think about th- like a small thing like the buzzard that attacked Johnny. That buzzard mm-hmm. didn't want to be attacking Johnny. Oh, but it didn't want to ev- get ripped apart. Yeah. And but- the coyote, the David shot. Exactly. It adds that level to every animal we've seen. Mm-hmm. It's- I hope the regulators has no animal deaths, Ben. I cannot confirm or deny, but I'm not holding my breath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, uh, that was the chapter one ends with this cougar being told go to the American West. And we pick back up with Audrey's story as CM was saying it, that she had come back into town 
uh, because she has this meeting with the the big brass. Um, she, she wore a nice skirt, too, which is which important. Which everyone will not stop commenting on. Tom is obsessed Tom with it. Tom loves that. She's, they got legs for days. Because I thought this was interesting. It's because of Cynthia's prior assessment of Audrey that I, at least, bought into Tom's obsession with her yeah. short skirt being... Mm-hmm. A sexist thing, not so much like his brain's trying to figure out right. something he forgot. It's definitely set up as yeah. Tom's just being a drunk creep. <laughs> and the fact that it becomes relevant is... Honestly, to- both of those things can be true at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, also true. Oh, it's during the story here that I think, uh, if, if I can just throw out a baseless claim as to what I think happened oh, to Audrey yes, yes. here. So she talks about... Hiding in that, the laundromat's not where she's hiding first. She's hiding somewhere else first. The important thing is that she brings up that the scariest thing about Entragian was he would come back and check places he'd already checked and cleared. Mm -hmm. And that made it just not safe no matter what. So here's my theory. Because I think the base of her story, I think the base of everything she says is exactly true. Mm -hmm. What I think happened is on one of these return trips to that place she was hiding, he left a can toy and then she touched it. Hmm. And from then on... That makes a lot of sense. And then by the way that connection works, it also made me think of all of the things that are running through Steve and Cynthia's head when they're thinking about it. I could be tack pushing those images into their head Mm. the way he did to Audrey. It just yeah, didn't the get wolf to... was the one delivering mm-hmm. these things too. Yeah, mm. I I like that. Good that's job. really cool. I would have loved to read about it. <laughs> See, uh, <laughs> let me and let me ask you this question: After Audrey meets her end, because this would not True. be beyond King to do this, uh, or or that m- there's a moment where sh- where Audrey's She's reflecting. Audrey. Yeah. Um, would you have liked a almost flashback chapter or do you feel like that would have broken the momentum too much and felt like it? I think we could have had her just thinking could be like maybe when she, cause it references her touching the things in her pockets, mm-hmm. which I know we're not to yet, but maybe can say she could have said something like the thing that he left for me that I shouldn't have touched. I see. King so excels at those chapters. My, some of my favorite King chapters in his entire work are the inside the villain's head chapters. Mm -hmm. The fact that we just don't get that really, I I would have loved at least uh, just a section of a chapter being like once, even after it's revealed, the betrayal is revealed, having her thinking back to how this happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When she found them. Did she find them at the dig? She works at the mines. How long... Did she have a can toy before three days ago? Could be. That's also a good question. Anyway, she tells this story of running and hiding, seeing people run down in the street, seeing him kill a guy and his girlfriend, get out of his car, take the kid's hat off, shoot him in the head, and then put his hat back on. It's scary. But again, that's uh, the thing that ties Johnny back to Vietnam. So we're going back to, we're referencing that Vietnam era again. With the just uh, the level of cruelty, the joyous cruelty, I think he calls Can it. Can we say while we're talking about Johnny, uh, add to the list that when he's <laughs> thinking back to Nam, he keeps thinking about how he was a non-combatant. He was a journalist. And he thinks back to being jealous of combatants. Uh, yeah. 
Johnny's <sighs> ego is going to be the downfall. Yes. It has to be. Because that's insane. He doesn't need a little statue. He is a little statue. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Got it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think we actually might have referenced this scene, talked about it shortly last episode, of her hiding under the desk. Because I remember mentioning the shadow falling over the desk. Mm. Yeah. And her saying that, you know, uh, if his shadow had had eyes, it would have seen me. That's so cool. It's so yeah. scary. It does have eyes. It has to. Everything has eyes here. She goes on to say that her plan had been to get to the lab, to get to the ATV and uh, run. But then she ran into Steve and Cynthia, and now she's here. They talk about what they want to do. Steve's intuition uh, is that we are on our own. Because they keep saying, like, uh, Audrey had said that the reason she hid for so long is she felt like help had to come. Too much violence had happened. Someone was bound to show up. And Steve says, no, if someone was going to show up, they would have by now. So we're on our own and we have to get out of here. David yells at everyone for not (laughs) caring about his mom and thinking he's magic. You know, that is really tough because everybody so clearly is like, our plan and our priority is getting out of here. And I'm Like, I feel like I would be this way, too. David's like, yeah, so that thing took my mom. Like, we're just going to leave her. And they're trying to explain to him, well, they eventually, I think it's Johnny who says, kid, your mom is already dead. Like, it's Mm. too late. Although he doesn't make eye contact with him when he says it because he's a fucking coward. Mm -hmm. And David snaps at everybody, like you said, Ben. And he's even tells Ralph that, you know, you don't even care. And he's like, I know you love her, but you think it's already too late. Also, completely skipped over this. I think at this point, everyone is kind of looking at David. Johnny in particular is as freaked out by David as of everything else that is happening. Yeah. Because we didn't talk about David performing a miracle. (laughs) We just skipped over that. He says grace over some sardines and some Ritz crackers. And then suddenly there's enough. The second everyone was like, is there food? Tom goes, well, there's crackers and sardines. And my eyes rolled. There's fish and bread. I mean crackers and sardines. Uh, it's actually, <laughs> it's cute. of all the religious stuff, <laughs> yeah. it's actually a neat moment because yeah. he doesn't like really hammer it home. No one comments on it. Mm. They're just like, everyone sees it. Everyone knows what it means. And everyone's like, we're not going to talk about that. Yep. <laughs> King loves this bit because he also used it in Kingdom Hospital. <laughs> Except for in the miracle that happens in Kingdom Hospital is it's there's like a homeless shelter and uh, accidentally several hundred sandwiches, uh, fish sandwiches, get delivered <laughs> to the. God yeah, Ben, you got to give it another chance. You really do. <laughs> and the this chapter ends with the cougar uh, stalking towards the theater. He can sense David, but he can hear the outsider. Crazy. Yeah, I, uh, I thought about the outsider. I don't think that's a no. real connection, but it's a neat yeah. thing. He also calls it the one from the earth in her head. The voice mm-hmm. of the unformed. The cougar sees the booby traps in the window, and because of the eyes of the Ellen thing in its head knows that. It doesn't know how it knows, but it knows I can't jump in there. Mm-hmm. So it goes to jump through a solid window. And what Instead. is it? Call him the man 
breakers. Man drinkers. Man drinkers. Beer bottles. It's so fucked up. It, <laughs> it just is listening to this cougar talk about cutting its paws on mm-hmm. our trash yeah. made me feel like humans are just piles of walking shit. <laughs> yeah. It, it like preparing to jump through the locked window knowing that it is going to hurt itself but knowing mm-hmm. it is not. It has to, it, it does not have it, another yeah. option. We also uh, glossed over the fact that uh, the Ellen thing is already deteriorating. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if the if the mention of a yeast infection was a joke or a real I think thing. it's, yeah, I think it, it's showing us that whatever body tack takes over because it goes on to explain that it's just, that's energy and force is just like pounding, a hammer pounding a nail. It's mm-hmm. doing yeah. that to her body and any infection whether minor is going to make it fall apart essentially is just going to be i don't know it's i thought it was pretty i thought it was an interesting take yeah mm-hmm. it's just, it's interesting because now we know that it's as far as we know it's only been in kali that's where it started and mm-hmm. he was able i mean he didn't start falling apart until four days in but when he started he really fell down the, the yeah. decomposing stairs. And is this around here where Tack thinks it's it imagines the rest of them, the survivors in a spider web yeah. as, as like its backup? <laughs> oh, I think that's uh next chapter. Oh, but... Okay. Yeah. I just I just love that imagery so much. But chapter three starts up with Tom taking another swig and Mary chastising Johnny. To get him to stop. And Johnny responds by assaulting her. And then blaming her for oh it. Oh my god, Johnny. And then going on to complain every time. He, he'll look over at her and, oh, Mary's still rubbing her wrist. Mm-hmm. What a drama you. queen. Yeah, yeah, he like grabs her by the wrist. And then is like, well, I don't I don't like being called an asshole. So I had to And says, what the grabbed fuck? Grabbed her too hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He knows how hard he grabbed her. And then he just excuses it. Yeah, of course. Uh, and then he goes on to think about, like, it's not his fault that Tom's gone over the edge with the drinking this fast. I mean, yes, I did give him his first drink. But I and had to. yes, I did do it because I was jealous that he had a loaded gun. But... If I lie to myself, then no, it's not. <laughs> like, he's <laughs> such an asshole. He gave him a more dangerous kind of loaded gun. Dude, it, he gives that speech about saying he steps up, quote unquote, to say, yeah, it's my fault. He's drinking again, but I did it because I had to. We needed him. And uh, he tells Tom, it's my responsibility that you're where you are now. So I'm going to maintain you. Because yeah, he promises mm-hmm. him a drink later if he yeah. lays off for right now. But the fact that Tom, with tears in his eyes, basically just says, I, I can't. can't resist. Yeah. Because well, he's an alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you don't give an alcoholic a drink. A drink. Yeah. <laughs> I hate this guy. <laughs> yeah. If he turns out to be the hero, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> um,. Yeah, Tom and him kind of have a a heart-to-heart as much as Johnny is capable of. Mm -hmm. And Johnny kind of distracts him by changing the subject to the China pit. 
I Again, d- this is what I thought Audrey was for. Me too. I do love here, though, that everybody else picks up on that. And mm-hmm. Johnny, through Johnny, we notice that Ralph, despite what he's been through, sees what's going on. And he's like, oh, come on. Come on, Tom. You probably know more about this than that young lady, you know, gesturing at Audrey, you know, could even imagine mm-hmm. just kind of playing to his, not not his ego. That sounds like judgmental, but playing to his ego. Yeah. Would would anyone like to go over the story or shall I? I I'll go do for it. it yeah. Go for it. We start off with uh, 1858. The Diablo Mining Company opened Rattlesnake Number One, and the conditions were so terrible and unsafe. Everybody quit essentially. So the owners decided to replace them with Chinese slaves, essentially mm-hmm. calling them workers mm-hmm. in this quote unquote company town uh, that they could just do whatever they wanted. So they had all of these Chinese immigrants come take over the mining. They cut all the safety measures. They talked about that um, they didn't have to build the tunnels so large because not only that the fact that they weren't as tall as the American workers, but they could also be made to work on their Mm -hmm. knees with no problem. And these miners who walked off the job did it because they could hear in the walls, essentially, that it was getting too unsafe, yeah. that it could collapse and no one would do anything. So they left. Yeah, they weren't even protesting. They were yeah. like, we are done. Yeah. Can, can I interrupt this to actually uh, go back on something I said earlier uh, about Audrey as a character? We do kind of get her what her deal is. And she is unpleasant. That is how I would describe Audrey. Because not only when she was earlier describing the mining, she talks about the way that they're mining now, which is the rainbird sulfuric acid, which is killing dozens of eagles. And she's like, yeah, that sucks, but I'll do it again. Gotta nuke something. (laughs) Right. Well, anyway, they're 150 feet down when this Mm. cave-in happens. Uh, Many, there were many survivors of this cave-in, thankfully, because they could hear people yelling and begging for help in the darkness for all that time. Two days later, the president and vice president of Diablo Mining came and had a picnic about 40 yards from the screaming and had their engineers come and take a look at it. All the engineers saying it's too unsafe to even risk doing it. So the alternative plan became, gave it all in. Tom gives uh, two reasons that the folklore of the area gives for this ghost story. One said that they had dug up a wison spelling Mm -hmm. question mark, uh, a kind of earth spirit that uh, is evil and came out of the ground. Tech. Uh, (laughs) The other is that they upset the Tommy knockers. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. What'd you guys think of that was well. I, I remember. I don't remember if we discussed it during Tommy Knockers. Yeah, that they're little underground that, goblins. That right? they were for mining. <laughs> I feel like yeah, we. Yeah, but I do like that. Uh, after talking shit about it, that uh, I think it is Audrey that's like, it's amazing the Tommy Knockers protected them as long as they did. Yeah. Come on now, <laughs> show some respect to the Tommy Knockers. <laughs> they gave us a flying Coke machine. Oh my gosh. <laughs> don't don't get me started again. <laughs> <laughs> and then three days later. After they've just left all these people. Uh, also, they have no idea if anybody survived that cave-in or not, mm. that second explosion, because they never checked. 
three days later, two Chinese men came into town, shot seven people before being taken out. And despite being killed, were hung up in the town. Well, I, one of them survived until the next oh, day. Oh, yeah. Right, mm-hmm. because they say he was ranting and raving in uh, what everyone assumed was Chinese. Right, because nobody could speak it. Is it but what? were they speaking? Because no one can confirm, uh, you know, local legends say like, oh, they were just people from a local encampment of Chinese immigrants who, you know, came were, into town. They and, were talking tack. Yeah, but like, yeah, Audrey says there's no way anyone escaped. There's no possible way anyone escaped the China pit. Or is is there? Anyway, that's that's the ghost story of the China pit. After the story finishes, Tom says, "Okay, that was fun. I got to take a whiz. He's got to take a sip, actually. (laughs) Well, he has to pee, too. Yeah, yeah. I just at that uh, at this moment also Cynthia steps on a spider and I went no. <laughs> In the bathroom, Tom is taking a a drink from a bottle that he has hidden, and the entire time we're just waiting. Yeah. Again, I felt like this in Green Mile. I felt like this earlier with Johnny. All all of these men are just have their dick out and they're peeing forever. It feels like because they're having he's like having these thoughts and mm-hmm. stuff. And reflecting on things. Yeah, I asked us to have time to make the sudden realization of what's going (laughs) on. Because he was rubbing rubbing his kidneys. So I got the stream to go on a little longer. (laughs) Yes, he keeps thinking about Audrey's damn short skirt. And he's reflecting on when she first got into town. And he hadn't met her yet, but he'd heard rumors that there's a female geologist. And she was real pretty, too, guys. (laughs) And... He finally gets a glimpse of her because something had happened with her horse, Sally, and he's a vet and his clinic had treated her horse. And the guy who, you know, was taking care of that because she had to go away on a business trip about the time that was happening. Um, as he and Tom were, you know, walking and talking, she was leaving in the distance and he casually points her out to Tom. And he just that image of her in her skirt was stuck in his mind because he knows what her legs look like. (laughs) (laughs) I, I didn't quite get this. So I'm gonna just throw it out there and see if that's what you guys got out of it too. It's that because he, he adds in that the skirt she was wearing when she left was definitely longer than the one she was wearing now because she was going to a Mm -hmm. indoor place with air conditioning. And so it's, is he making the assumption that if she were to try to show some leg for a meeting, she chose to show minimal for that temperature? I no. thought I, that he was, it, that was his brain trying to like make an excuse for it. Like, oh, it was a shorter I, skirt. Okay. It's her, that her legs are longer. And that's what he realizes. Oh, I, I assumed it was the same dress. And that she is physically yes. bigger. Okay, that makes sense because she's possessed. I, so uh, I, the what lost me. I may have just probably was just in my reading my interpretation. I imagined him seeing her in an almost ankle length dress. No, that's what I. So that was my misread. So that makes sense. It's the same. It's <laughs> yeah. the same skirt, and it that's it's, why it yeah, just duh. looks shorter. Because I'm dumb. <laughs> why have you ever worn a skirt? Uh, I know you have. Yeah, I was about to say you were you were mm. in the audience. <laughs> and, and just as he has this like realization, we don't know what it is. He's just like, 
huh, her skirt is shorter. Oh, no. And just as he thinks that, a cougar jumps at him. I love how he thinks the sound that he hears of, of the cougar busting out is the sound that his brain is making of remembering something, which is, I feel like that would happen to me. <laughs> when, yeah, when you have a good idea, you don't hear, wow, it's real loud in the back of your head. The dual realizations of... I'm alone and my gun's on stage out there. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. Tom is a badass, though. I love the way he reacts so quickly and so smartly because he knows what it is right away. Like, his brain makes that connection, and it's, it's described. It's just like this primal, instinctual thing. You imagine that any person would just, even if you'd never seen a cougar or heard one, you would fucking know. And that, that sound just... There's this instinctual primal reaction to it, and he immediately throws his flashlight past it so that mm, when it so turns smart. to look to see what was thrown, he makes a run for the door while putting his junk back in his pants. Sure. May maybe you guys get this, but I thought that seems like it's wasting precious seconds. <laughs> Cougars not, are fast. I am not leaving my dick okay, out. So, Cougars okay. are fast. Cougars <laughs> are fast. <laughs> okay. You gotta get that shit safe. <laughs> Sorry, just can't relate. The, the, layer, the layer of denim isn't going to protect me, but the illusion of that denim's yeah. protection is all I need. <laughs> uh, anyway, it doesn't help. Uh, the thing pounces on him, rips him open, bites off half of his hand. Mm -hmm. When it describes the claw going into his back, flaying his back, I was like, oh my God. If, if a cougar gets, if, if you have part of your hand in a cougar, you know, like in its mouth, in its mouth, that's what I mean. I always sure. said it like that. Sure, sure, sure. You, <laughs> sure, yeah. You're not getting out of that unscathed. Like, wouldn't the best course of action to be to shove as much of your body down its throat <laughs> yeah. as you could. Yeah. Fist, no. fist down the throat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I was in the Boy Scouts. Do you have patch for that? <laughs> what? The thing they teach you it's is. It's a fisting patch. Uh, if, <laughs> God damn it. They teach you if you, you're attacked by a bear, you got to get big. You, gotta, you get attacked by a cougar, you have to climb inside it as fast as you can. <laughs> That's a whole body fisting. The, the, the only safe place from a cougar is inside, inside it. That's true. <laughs> so stupid. There's no cougars in here. <laughs> I'm just thinking of the Ace Ventura getting climbing out of the. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, as this is all happening, we. We cut to the stage and maybe my favorite line in the book so far, because it is so tonally inappropriate, <laughs> uh, is Cynthia hears the noise of the cougar and immediately knows what it is. And as she's getting everyone to run towards it, she thinks... <laughs> she thinks about how she's never heard a wildcat outside of a movie theater, quote... And of course, weird but true, that was still okay. the case. That's so I, funny. Fucking I hilarious. It. I love it. That's that's just <laughs> such a good line. It's like King. Now is not the time. I have never <laughs> pictured him writing a story and then just stopping and chuckling to himself <laughs> like I have in this book. Yeah, that moment. The rat rastroid, this. And then there's one with Ralph that I pray one of you wrote down. <laughs> 
We'll see. <laughs> I have a note here that just says everyone hates Johnny. No context. Yeah. Everybody, Johnny freezes. Mm. And they hear this sound and Johnny's not doing anything. And Cynthia calls him a coward, essentially. Yeah. And of course, attacking his manliness is the thing that's like, well, mm-hmm. no, you, all right. You got to pretend like you're doing something else that's equally important. See, yes, I would have hauled ass out a different dorm. Like, I'm checking outside for other cougars. And just <laughs> run away as fast as I could. I'll yeah. get the cougar trap. Yeah. <laughs> the, the second Johnny's offered a gun, he says no thanks because he's a bitch. Uh, Johnny... We uh, run into the, there's a bunch of action. I kind of got it jumbled. Who Who is it that shoots the cougar? So Steve shoots the cougar and then the cougar attacks Steve. <laughs> and then yeah. Johnny. Because yeah. jo- Mary and Cynthia take off running like badass Rambos that they are. And then, like you said, Ben, that gets Johnny going. So he does eventually kind of step up and help out. So after this happens, I, I just want to talk about this moment and, and, you know, we can talk about Billingsley too, because we'll have to wrap that up. But mm-hmm. Cynthia is cleaning Steve up and he's thinking Ugh. about Johnny, how he came in and he has this wildly poetic description of the pep in his step that Johnny now has. Mm-hmm. And he's he's describing him as this amazing warrior who's making his way through enemy territory and he plucks the emerald from the goddess and it's the stone of power. And we haven't talked about this, but several, several times throughout whenever we're with Johnny, he constantly measures his righteousness on banging who he refers to as the actress with the emeralds. Mm. And Steve's romanticized description of him matches Johnny's own sense of grandiosity. It's it's just really I the like moment. So cool. I didn't catch that no, at all. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, because I have a question. Uh, I have questions around that scene, but it's something else. Anyway, okay. we'll, we'll get there. But first, Tom, as he's lying there, everyone realizes that David's not with them. Mm-hmm. And they run outside and realize that the obvious betrayal is happening. Yeah, because his dying words are like, skirt. <laughs> yeah, he, he's Citizen Kane. And they're yes. like, she's abroad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, they run back out and Audrey and David are gone. Mary stays with Tom, though, yes. while he's dying, which it's nice. I like that she was with him. Yeah. Because I liked Tom. He, he had his problems, but he seemed like a cool dude. I just like Mary... God, Mary gets the shit end of so much this whole book. Mm-hmm. I, it's so yeah. funny because we started off with her and we had that conversation of, all right, here are our protagonists. And Mary has more or less taken a backseat since then. She's, you know, does the support stuff, mm-hmm. but she is kind of been relegated to the background as the stronger personalities now that everybody's together. And so, yeah, just seeing her just keep getting kicked mm-hmm. the rest of this book is tough. First, at the start of chapter four, we go back to Tack. This is where we hear that the Candelac, the heart of the unformed, is too strong and it is tearing mm-hmm. Ellen apart. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't the Ellen thing like slap its leg out of frustration and Yeah, it's unnerved. It's like slapping a rotten apple, just yeah. its hand goes yeah. into the flesh. It, it keeps talking it talks about how much it dislikes like scratching Ellen's head and it, clumps of Ugh. hair coming yeah. out. 
it's not good. And it, it's sitting there thinking about how it should have killed David when mm-hmm. it had the chance, but he seemed shielded in some way. Mm-hmm. And while Tack is thinking to itself, it's it's thinking, was David sent on purpose? Was he sent here? But then, was <laughs> I sent here? And it's like, you know what, let's just not worry about any <laughs> of that. Don't follow that. <laughs> yeah, these are useless quen- questions. To, for Tack, his reason is simply to exist. We talked about this yes. quote last episode, and I, I finally found it Thank in my you. notes. And it is... <laughs> It had little memory and even less interest in the future. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of thinking about this, it closes its eyes and opens all of its eyes. Fucking rules. Awesome. It is in the theater. It is looking at our heroes through dozens and dozens of eyes. The bats are my favorite. Like wires, (laughs) roaches, rats, and the echolocation of bats in the rafters. Just amazing mm-hmm. and the, the the way it's described visually as looking through several tvs th- with through broken glass mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just just such a, like I, you conjure that image and the idea that it all just makes sense to him yeah is and fucking he madness. says it's like looking through a prism yeah it's because he also has some of the understanding of all of those visuals too because mm-hmm. he's inside the creatures but he cannot see through audrey's eyes mm-hmm. why don't worry about it ben it's fine. <laughs> this is where we get him attack thinking about them as emergency rations. Yes. Which makes me web. think, is that what we actually think? Like, is that the reason they're all still alive? Is that the only reason? I So we kind of discussed this about why nobody had been kept in cells before. And I'm wondering if it's one of those things that, you know, that morning he noticed the first degradation mm. of the body. Yeah, because why didn't he start off that way? Right. That would have been easier. And then so that's why he went and got Tom first because he was the only local he thought left in town Mm -hmm. and scooped him up first thing that morning because he And had to set all those road traps. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, Tack reveals to us that it has chosen Mary as its next vessel and it takes out on foot to the theater. Back in the theater, we catch up and we get the closest we get to an in the villain's head. But Mm. we don't get we just don't get as much insight into Audrey, into Mm -hmm. evil Audrey, as I had hoped. Although we do get that the voice in Audrey's head was like, quote, like an acid-coated snake melting the personality of the woman who had been here before it. Which Uh, feels really good. Which, (laughs) (laughs) well, first of all, it's the same way that they're mining for the copper in the mines. They are melting through the rock in the acid to reveal Mm -hmm. the copper beneath it. didn't make that connection at all. (laughs) Like the mining, get it? And then my next note was Audrey is infected by the idols, the cantas, quote, like eating some sweet, soft food. First, gross. Um, (laughs) And second, the thing I wonder is Audrey's possession. This is, I guess, the thing I'm getting at is it seemed that the possession or the start of it, the feeling of Steve and Cynthia taking the cantas, their reaction to it is so visceral and extreme and seemingly uncontrollable but audrey is just up to this point just a person like is she didn't have anybody to fuck <laughs> i guess like i don't I, know yeah, yeah i wrote it's audrey's possession isn't sexual not saying i wish it was but why isn't well, it does she have multiple she or just two. one yeah maybe she, one offers more control maybe there's yeah. some sort of 
They're, special. Well, and this yeah. is also going back to infinity if, stones or Captain Planet rings. Well, if uh, if Tack gets to if that's a a bridge, that maybe Tack's helping. Yeah, he gets to push whatever he mm-hmm. wants into into their head. And I would, in my imaginary story of Audrey that we don't get, it's that Cantoy gets left for her. She takes it. It makes her feel strong and safe. And suddenly she just knows there are more out there and goes searching for them. Do you think when Steve and Cynthia were touching it, Tack was somewhere going, oh, whoa, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Tack was picking up what they were putting down. Yeah, yeah. Like, right. That's why continue. they weren't allowed to leave town. Yeah. <laughs> I do have to say the scene where Cynthia is cleaning Steve's wounds. I did write. Okay, I get it now. This, <laughs> yeah. this, that's shit, just a shit, hot thing shit. to do. It's, <laughs> you can't clean another person's wounds in a Not crisis in situation <laughs> like this. It's I've seen action movies before. <laughs> anyway, Audrey is stalking around the upstairs of the theater. I wrote, Audrey explores... And I zone out. So one of you give me the layout of the upstairs of the theater. The stairs go up to a balcony area, but the balcony area is pretty much roped off because it could collapse at any minute. There's, yeah, there's a blow up doll hanging from a noose. With a sign that says, don't come up here because it's going to collapse. Right. (laughs) And beyond that is the projectionist booth. Which, by the way King described it, I feel like I can smell that room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's because David was looking for a quiet place to get away from everybody to mm. pray. He felt the sudden strong urge that God wanted to talk to him mm-hmm. this time. Yeah, and he knew that it was just a matter of finding privacy when it would happen. And then references some quote from the Bible or from the pastor that you pray in your closet, not on the street. So it's like, don't. Don't be a showboat. Just do well, your thing. You know, uh, Mrs. White believed in that. Jesus, me. That's what that's from. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, that's the you same know, belief. it's a different, different context. <laughs> in the closet. Okay, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this is why I mentioned the spider thing, because when David falls under and then Audrey mm-hmm. opens the door and she eventually sees him, there is a silver runner of drool coming from his mouth like a spider's web. Just to have the Ellen thing, thinking about them as being caught in a spider's web, and then Audrey is associating what she sees on him with a web. That's I thought cool. was cool. Yeah. Just a neat little thing. While we're talking about like just themes and like little bits of symbolism, what is this book about? What I, I kept throughout this section specifically. Baseline, I guess this book is about faith so yeah. far, but In this section, there are so many recurring bits about Vietnam and movies that I'm like, is any of this supposed to mean anything? Because this whole segment, it takes place, this David speaking to God in a projector room. Like, if this were a movie, that would, like, all of this happening in an old movie theater. They, Audrey stalking around. She sees all of these posters for old movies. I'm like, it feels like this is supposed to be thematically important. Well, kind of like the that world of of movie making and art and expressing yourself that way brings you closer to 
God, I guess. Yeah. Because there is a line. The closest I could get to it is uh, David, as he's starting to pray, he's thinking about, you know, when he sits down to pray, it's when the doubt is most powerful, where he is worried that what if Mm -hmm. God is just a projection of these strange things happen and we project God onto onto them. What if God himself is a legendary shadow, which is something that Johnny earlier had called, you know, the movies legendary shadows. Mm -hmm. So there's like, what's the bridge here? What, what is King trying to tell us? I couldn't figure it out. I think it might be nothing, but I, I keep trying to look into like, is this movie about like American myth like it has aspects the setting is so like western it's so americana like mm-hmm. I, there's something yeah <laughs> it's all of the like animals that are featured are all distinctly american yeah, eagles, animals coyotes wolves um it is i could be speaking out of my ass here or, or leaving so you're revealing something that we haven't gotten to yet but i believe the the cantas and the cantax are kind of supposed to be some sort of like native belief system it's it's just Mm -hmm. implied to be this this these gods that were here before america during tom's story he mentioned oh shoot i forget the name of the tribe they had a word for something yes there the ground was that's how they know that the ground was spoiled i think sure so like is this i don't know there's so much going on and i'm like (laughs) king you're trying to tell me something what is it i wonder if the i will get the rest i wonder Mm -hmm. if the movie theme will come around by the time we get to the end or if it'll just be dropped after they leave the theater that also could be part of it too like this is why we like this era of king writing so much Mm. is because it's still when he has a lot to say about things that i think him at the age he is feels like he can say something about these because they're relevant to him and of course we're reading them in the context of 2023 and what i've noticed i feel like in his newer work is that i think he's recognized like he doesn't have that sort of more youthful passion about making a statement about Mm. current events. And I think that's what sometimes we miss. I feel like when we get something like this, where he was still saying those things, we really dig into it because we, we latch on to wanting him to have make that beautiful commentary, like disguise it in this poetic art that he does. I think the recurring Vietnam stuff and, Mm. and, uh, the a lot of the horrible horrible descriptions is the the theme of cruelty mm-hmm. is and i'm not i i haven't quite articulated how i want to explain this but talking out of my ass basically saying that commenting on all the forms that cruelty can take mm. and uh justifiable cruelty uh mm-hmm. versus cruelty Mm -hmm. that is entirely random that just how you experience or versus cruelty that is specifically enacted like that's that's interesting kind of where i'm at because i have some notes at the at the end of our section Mm -hmm. that yeah the the way this part ends yeah that's where that theme really comes in for me well let's do it (laughs) Uh, david is uh, going through all this doubt is overcome by a force Mm -hmm. and passes out and at that point audrey walks in 
calls him a little prey boy, but he's completely unconscious. And it describes she wraps her hands around his neck and starts choking and his his eyelids flitter once mm-hmm. and nothing else. Yeah. And, and it has, just cuts away. Yeah, and as this is happening, that's when we get Cynthia looking up and seeing something on the balcony. Yeah, that's so weird because both her and Steve get this. They very well could have seen or heard nothing in in reality, but they both think they saw mm-hmm. or heard something. And Steve just takes off. Just go, like he's like, that's where we're going. <laughs> I'm I'm so dumb. The first time through, I was like, he saw a ghost. <laughs> I thought he said because she says she's uh, Cynthia says she thought she saw a floating body, and I'm like, it's a blow up doll. What? It's the, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it wasn't until the second it's the time. Ghost I'm like, of a blow up oh, doll because it does have a noose around its neck. <laughs> yeah, they they run upstairs, and Steve just by instinct knows they're in the projector room. Cynthia reminds him David had a gun, so that means she might have a gun. And <laughs> he's like, "We don't have time for that." Yeah, <laughs> like, fuck that. Kicks the door down, immediately falls down two stairs, saving his life. Holy oh. shit! That is so great that he busts in and eats shit, and do- basically that dodges three gunshots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Before we uh, settle what happens in the in the projector room, Tom fucking dies. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad Mary was there with him. Mm -hmm. And then I'm upset that Mary is there with him because she's. She's so vulnerable right now. Okay. And this is frustrating. It it puts me in turmoil. Can I just talk about Mm -hmm. the scene? Okay. Mary hears someone outside calling for help. And she is as cautious as she should be. But also you would, you know, she recognizes the voice. And so she goes to the window and she sees Ellen outside crouching and sort of hunched over and she's holding her arm because she says, you know, I I only got away because the cop just died and the car crashed and my door popped open and then I walked here through the storm and Mary just feels so bad for her, but she's still cautious. And then she, what gets her is when she argues herself out of her instinct and her caution by thinking, what, I'm going to go like talk to the men first before I help Ellen who just went through all this shit. And so she tells her, you know, go to this, this other door window and I'll let you in. You can't come through this way. And then at the very last moment when she is thinking, you know what? No, I'm going to trust my instinct. Tack grabs Mary. Yeah. She, Ellen Carver, Pennywise's Mary through a window. Yeah. The, Thank God I found you before grabbing her is mm-hmm. fucking Because cool. Mary even thinks, you know, saying you have a broken arm would be a great way to, like, make yourself seem smaller. It's bad. Because she fully throws Mary across yes. an alley, basically. Yeah. But because Tack doesn't let go of a bit, does drop a, another uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary song joke. <laughs> yeah. Makes a leave on a jet plane joke just to... Let Mary know who it is. Wacky tacky. Wacky tacky. (laughs) And as we enter the final chapter, Johnny is 
looking into the projection booth and thinking about the curse of perfect recall. This is, I think, the last thing we talked about last time. Yeah, you mentioned, yeah, the car accident. And Uh, and I, at first, I wrote none of the stuff that is happening in the projection booth is nearly as bad as that girl's skull splitting open uh, in the car crash. Mm. That is awful. But uh, I'm proved wrong. Uh, But in the meantime, Johnny is standing completely fucking useless again again. (laughs) as he watches Steve barely miss these three bullets and a gun being thrown at him. Always funny. Throw throw an unloaded gun. Johnny gets pushed into the room by Ralph and completely misses doing anything helpful. They kind of all wrestle for a while. I didn't right too many I did notes. Like, did you? The, um, just Cynthia pulling the old school and getting on all fours so That's... Steve could push her, could tabletop her over. This is good. Uh, and he describes it as, oh, you can tell Cynthia's had some scraps in the school playground. <laughs> right. and, and the and Audrey speaking back to them using the mm-hmm. words they heard the cop use. Yeah, because Johnny is makes the connection and does the thing again, trying to use a dead god's language. Stop it. It worked. It stuns her for yeah. a second. And yeah. then she pulls up the stone fetishes and is like, I have power. And Steve's like, no, you don't. Yeah. And just smacks well, him yeah. out of her fucking hand. He gives, <laughs> she gives Johnny the Pokemon choice. Yeah. Well, because he, he grabbed David. So David's in his arms. Mm-hmm. And when she pulls out the statues and Johnny is overcome with this just strong urge to kill David. And he's not even... She just pulled them out and he can see them. He's not yeah. even touching them, which is yeah, and wild. It's really funny that it's stopped by Steve just slapping it out of her hand. Does suck we don't find out what Johnny's starter is, though. Because <laughs> uh, he is offered a snake, a buzzard, and a rat and told what you take is what you are and what you are is beautiful. Goo goo dolls. They do all have a different purpose, and maybe that's why she's not horned up. Yeah. Could be. Steve slaps the stone figures out of her hand, and that's pretty much it. That, <laughs> that, that solves it. Oh my God. Because, yeah. Which, the fact that the second they leave her hand, that he can tell immediately she's sagging. There's it's so instant under her skin. God, that's Wait, so horrifying. She had given Johnny one. Would she had, would she have started to fall apart more? I don't think so. If she still had one, just as long as she yeah. Has. Okay. This is another moment. I, I wrote. What are the rules? It doesn't matter <laughs> uh, because when Audrey runs to, to immediately forgets about David and runs to go get them, Cynthia kicks them away. One of them breaks. And Steve rips her arm off. He doesn't rip her arm off. He grabs her arm and it falls off <laughs> yeah. of her. It sloughs. Yeah. yeah. And the the fact that as she's decaying, is that's when she we get that glimpse of mm-hmm. what the this woman that we never oh. met. Yeah, they see that. Uh, I don't know if decay is the right word, oh. my man. Well, she, at this point, she's... It, she, as she like pushes past them and at first they're like, oh no, she's going after David again. She's not interested. It is describing her flesh dripping from her body. Is Because uh, now that we've gone down the road, we've gone, is this atomic bomb? 
Like, is this is like we've been talking oh, about yeah. like the uh, ep- the cruelty of humanity. Mm-hmm. The way I I mentioned I didn't mention it. I thought about it the way that they've been decaying, kind mm-hmm. of being reminiscent yeah. of a radiation sickness thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of them asks at one point. They if ask, radi- oh, yeah. is there mm-hmm. radiation in this area? Was this a nuclear dump? Oh, yeah, because they're something? talking about Kali, and she hadn't. Well, she claims she hadn't seen him, mm-hmm. so she know what they're talking about. And they're like, he's falling apart lady yeah one of them says like it's not radiation poisoning i've seen pictures for some reason Uh, probably johnny yeah but this (laughs) but the way audrey dies is very much the a certain radius of the atomic bomb it's uh very much end of robocop (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. it's very much guy at the end of robocop Uh But she made, she but gets I, out. I'm very sorry. I never wanted to hurt anybody. Yeah, don't touch the that can toy. sucks. Oh yeah, and when she says "Don't touch them," whatever you do, Steve and Cynthia share a look. Yeah, they're like, oh, we got very lucky. Do you think they'll ever have normal sex again in their lives mm-hmm. with each other? It's just in uh, general, no, man, with each other, with anybody else. <laughs> I, you know what? I hope so. <laughs> if it's so powerful, I feel like touching it would change you permanently. Could be. Audrey hits herself with a balcony. Uh, I, I do want to mention uh, that as she walks towards the balcony, because she can't, like, Ralph has taken David and, like, headed back down. Even though this is broken, she's still crawling after, towards David. Pieces fall off of her, like, quote, flesh rain. Flesh rain. And yeah, when, that sucks. And when she <laughs> falls, oh, she falls face down, makes a splashing sound. This is the and most gruesome to scene so far, it right? Rules yeah. So hard. <sighs> it's gross. It's real gross. <laughs> to to one up a guy pulling his own tongue out. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hats off to you, Mr. King. <laughs> and uh the survivors carried David's uh unconscious body downstairs. Johnny notices Mary's gone and David enters a dream sequence. Hell yeah, (laughs) let's go. David is wandering down the street near his middle school in which in yellow paint is painted in these silences, something may rise. (sighs) He turns a corner and three upside down bikes are standing at the entrance of the Bear Street Woods, which I love. He Mm. comments that that those two places are so far away from each other, but- This is a dream. This is a dream. (laughs) Dream logic. Yeah. And it's my favorite shit. He walks towards Bear Street Woods and the entire time he's hearing disembodied voices talking uh, about Joseph, the story of Joseph and the Pharaoh's interpretation of dreams. So a little on the nose. (laughs) He sees across the street, the Reverend spouting Bible-y stuff. And uh, there is a puddle of vomit at his feet and his eyes look dead and uh, unaware. He sees a cougar nailed to a stop sign with Audrey's fucking head. And she's trying to smile at him? And saying, there are other gods than yours. Do not, you know, there there are other gods than the Christian god. Don't. End of thought. Don't. (laughs) Just cut it out. Uh, Or this kind of thing will happen. And before he reaches the entrance, he sees Pi standing on Brian's porch and warning him of the big, Mr. Big Boogeyman or the mummy coming after him, which... We didn't really talk about that. It's a thing between him and Brian that we get in the first yeah. 
one of the first chapters. And also, they had a joke. They were watching a movie and making fun of, you know, oh, better run, the mummy's chasing, or better walk fast, the mummy's chasing us. And so that's what he keeps, that's what he says as he falls into the stream state. And that's what he keeps thinking like, oh, this is how the mummy gets you. It puts these obstacles in your path to distract you while it slowly catches up. It's also it's a good, cool. it's a, it's a good sign that Stephen King is just actually factually afraid of mummies. Which <laughs> I think is really funny. Uh, and I think this is, I don't remember what was said here, but this is another point to the uh, the cruelty aspect that we talked about the cruel god is yeah. a big thing. Mm-hmm. And there's some of the, this section of the other gods versus his god is talking about that the the power of the cruel god is that the his god has enough foresight and control to defeat Tak, but no doubt or attachment to the greater good. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of that cruel god of this thing is going to exist. I am going to set the wheels in motion yep. to defeat it, no matter what the cost to these people, because that's not the point. Mm-hmm. The point is I stopped the evil thing and mm-hmm. moved on. And yeah. Yeah. I hate it. It's yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so fucking dark. Such it is bullshit. So dark. Yeah. yeah. It is I will try not to go on a uh No, David does rant. it for you. you yeah, don't have David, to. It's that's amazing. True. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to get there. But first he reaches at the entrance to the trail, a cantac, a huge stone statue with a jackal's head with the tongue of tongue that is Kali and Trajan's head. <laughs> Poor Kali. He got so much shit. It was like, you, you know, well, because they thought it was the evil cop, Kali, and it's mm-hmm. Tack, and they still think of mm-hmm. it as Kali. Even Mary, I think, thinks of Ellen as Kali. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, if you think about it, yeah, he is yeah. just he was a, a possessed human person. <laughs> yeah. He could have been a nice guy. Uh, the the Cantax says, turn back, be afraid of me, and he blows him up with god powers. Then uh, <laughs> Ellen, his mother, with this blackened, fallen face, comes out and says, is this a, y- your god did this. Is this a god worth having? God let this happen. And I wrote, all good points. But he blows her up, too. And he finally reaches uh, his treehouse where he meets a guy. Yeah, I'm. I have no idea. <laughs> Me I had like three ideas. I, I kept thinking things. What do you think? Okay, these are all going to be stupid. I <laughs> thought maybe it was future Brian because you think it's like the person is sitting in the same posture, but they're much older. I thought maybe it was future David or like in like Tony David, like yeah, David's version sure. of Tony from The Shining. And then I thought it's our Stephen King character, similar to I believe. The opening of Needful Things, where we have the character who is introducing yeah. us to the town. Oh. And it's like, could be Stephen King. Kind of an, an oracle yeah. narrator-esque So those were the apparition. three thoughts that I had. I like the older Brian, but it makes me sad because the, he notes the scar down the wrist. Mm-hmm. And that would be, uh, that, that'd be a bummer for Brian's story to end up that way. I thought it was Jesus. But then I had to go back and reread, and it is he's not described as having like long hair or a beard or anything. And Jesus, I was just like, he, well, he, oh, so he's he has a radio with like hippie stickers on it. <laughs> so my second thought was that it was Randall Flagg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was just gonna tell you that anybody in New York will tell you that Jesus isn't a Yankees fan. 
So <laughs> good topical humor. Thanks for not here. Um, I don't even know what you said. <laughs> a baseball joke. I know. So I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. I, the, just the scar on the wrist. I was like, oh, it's like stigmata, I guess. Could be. But then when David asks, I think you might be God, the guy responds, that's kind of funny. Like, yeah, that's kind of funny. Yeah. It's kind of funny that you think that, but don't worry about it too much. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't even know if this guy is I, a good I guess figure I just or wondered, a good deity. It could be future Brian because it's he finds yep. David finds out he's in the land of the dead. Mm-hmm. But Brian kind of did die, but then he came back. Like, he was gone. But And the reason it could be funny is because Brian is the reason he mm-hmm. became acquainted with God. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he, he meets uh, this guy, and the guy's like, okay, real quick, we got, I am here so that you know why you're here. Why are you here, David? As in, why are you here on Earth? And his answer is, to serve God, to love God. My editorialization, despite any terrible thing that happens because God is a manipulative prick. <laughs> God uh, is cruel. God is cruel. That's... That is the thesis statement yeah. in this book. David thinks the guy is God and he thinks it's funny. He asks, why is God's cruel? Uh, like, why is God cruel? God's cruelty is refining. He asks all these questions that are like supposed to be like leading towards you got to do this because it's for the greater good because you got to do it because God... But every question is like, he asks, what is cruelty done for evil? The same thing as cruelty done for good. Cruelty Cruelty. is evil. It does not matter if your God is a cruel God. It is not a good God. It it is an evil deity. God is the villain of this book. (laughs) (laughs) God is God's uh, are the villains of this book. Sure. The the, the thing is. God, that, like, yeah. All of the gods are using them as puzzles right. and yeah. chess pieces. The, it's just the fact yeah. that uh, our god that is treated like that in our country, and like that's what it is, how it is worshipped. Mm-hmm. But it is the this reality of a kind of cruel and petty because the. All right, I'm getting ahead of myself. the The point of all this, the reason I think this mm-hmm. is so so bad is because the test here is to test if David's faith will break mm-hmm. by making, by showing David like Sure. Well, that's kind of the whole point. Uh, that's like religion's entire view of any bad thing that <laughs> happens is bad thing has happened because God is testing you to see if you're a good person. That sucks. <laughs> uh, that's not a dig at the book. That is my well, no, own King, yeah, King's personal playing problems. playing with those themes. He asks, what is the spiritual state of the faithful? David says, love and acceptance. The opposite of belief is desperation. Sure. It's a lot of religious... Like, did you guys have a different reaction to any of this? Is this all just my own uh, personal hangups? The thing that stuck out to me is when the person in the Yankees cap says that you have to destroy this evil, not because it will spread and destroy the world. Like, it's not that important. You have to You've been put through all this and you'll be put through everything more to stop this simply because it is an affront to God. Yeah. It will it will have no greater impact, it will have no meaning, but being used as a tool mm-hmm. to 
take a, a move a chess piece, a pawn for a pawn, is essentially what this mm-hmm. is being broken down to, to make, and, and that's the test of David's faith, is if he can be made to feel that a calling from God could be could make you feel so small, it'll cause him to lose his faith. Again, going back to the Callahan Barlow, mm-hmm. very much in that same vein of all, all it takes is doing whatever to cause the one seed of doubt, because it's the one thing we saw, again, going back to Salem's Lot, as soon as that first failure of faith starts, the power mm-hmm. goes. And I, I think that's why I'm not as frustrated by this part, mm-hmm. because I'm fascinated by how King is playing with the themes of religion, mm-hmm. because he you can interpret all of that is a scathing <laughs> review <laughs> of religion. Yeah. And having seen David's faith be so like innocent and pure, mm. and then we get to this point and this person is challenging him and, and ends it with Josh, like you were saying, you know, the, God doesn't like this and that's why you're here doing this. Mm. That's why you've suffered. And here's what you're going to have to do. Mm. And David is like, fuck God. He can yeah. do it mm-hmm. himself. And I don't know at that moment if it was supposed to be like this for the reader, but to me, I thought that was a really powerful moment for Mm -hmm. David, not because he was like standing up to a God or anything, but because I feel like it was just a true reaction that he allowed himself to have. Like, Mm -hmm. well, that's fucked up. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Yeah, And I I just liked it. Yeah. I'm very interested because like all of this is to say, this is all effective because Mm -hmm. it is King. King is not being like, God is doing all of this and isn't that awesome? Like the, the point <laughs> this is, isn't the this white. All sucks. Yeah, this isn't the white. This is God. A yeah, Christian I am, God. Yeah. I am very interested in mm-hmm. reading through the end to see because yeah. there this could go two different ways where, you know, the point of the book is, yeah, God's not the good guy here. There's no good guys here. There's mm-hmm. no good gods in desperation. Christian God's here too, and he doesn't fucking care that all of you are suffering like that's an interesting take but if the end of this book is oh they all realize that they have to sacrifice themselves for something that they will never understand and hooray the evil's destroyed by a bigger evil (laughs) that does not care about us i don't know it's i'm very interested because we leave off with uh david saying, I don't want to listen, and God saying, too bad, you have to commit eco-terrorism. And that's it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. As always, thank you for listening. Join us for our next episode where we will be finishing the book. For Benjamin Graham and C.M. Alexander, I'm Joshua Kahn reminding you, the spiritual state of unbelief is desperation. Hey everyone, CM Alexander here. Thank you for listening to Desperation Part 3. We hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget that we've moved all of our website info onto our Discord where we can interact more with all of you. Follow our link on the show notes for tons of fun discussions. See what we're up to and tell us what you're up to. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Dairy Public Radio or Twitter at Dairy Public. And email us anytime at dairypublicradio at gmail.com. Follow our Patreon and check out our bonus episodes at the $5 and up tier, and visit our Etsy store for fun merchandise. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.